Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Second Act Actors. I'm your host, Dr. Janet McMorty, and I was and still am a medical doctor simultaneously trying to pursue a career in acting. My guest this week is the one, the only, Robin Deverett. Oh, Robin, how do I love thee? Let me count the ways. Robin and I met virtually as we all meet these days through Lewis Baumander's acting studio, LB Acting Studio. During the pandemic, Lewis uh, was hosting these morning, Friday morning get togethers on Zoom for a lot of the actors in his studio just to all get together on Zoom during the thick of the pandemic and kind of vent and talk and make sure we were all kind of doing okay. I met Robin through there. She mentioned she was a physiotherapist turned actor. I work in sports medicine. Immediately, I stalked her on Instagram, and I was a guest on her incredible show, Window Chats with Robin. Check it out. Window Chats with Robin on Instagram and on YouTube. It's fantastic. After our chat, which was the longest we'd ever talked virtually, we've, again, never met in real life, we were like, did we just become best friends? (laughs) And ever since our chat, which I think is now over a year ago, we have been in constant communication. Again, we've never met in real life, but I feel like I know her more than some of the people I actually have met in real life. She's one of those human beings who will call you, call you on those those things, you know, called the phone, which can be terrifying for some people. But me as an elder millennial, I love that. She'll call you in the middle of the day just to leave a message, say, Janet, I'm so proud of you. As you all know, my love language is words of affirmation. So God love you, Robin. She's one of those people who lifts everyone up around her. As actors, I think we have zero control in this in, in, in this entertainment industry, or we feel like we have no control. And one of the things you can do as an actor to bring about more feelings of control and positivity is by lifting up your fellow actors, right? And this is what Robin does. She's so positive with everyone around her. She's encouraging. She gives great constructive criticism. And she's hilarious. She's a fantastic comedian. And you are going to see in this episode, she's just a riot. She's a bundle of positivity. I'm so, so, so happy to have her in my life. Maybe one day I'll actually get to meet her in person. But for now, God, Robin, I'm so, so, so thankful and appreciative and grateful that we are virtual friends and you came into my life over these last couple years and been so supportive of me in my acting career, in my hosting career. Everyone, you get to meet her. Please enjoy Robin Deverett. For me, when I see auditions that require a general American accent, it's for Hallmark Christmas movies. I think I'm waiting for the Hallmark Christmas theme to be Canadian. And then the problem is by then, I will be so Americanized. I don't know, a, uh, a boot. I actually don't, I don't hear the about. I don't hear, unless someone's really Canadian and I'm watching the news and I go, oh, that's Canadian. Mm-hmm, I hear that. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. There's also, I think, a bit of, uh, I know, I remember I really recognized the Canadian accent when Nelly Furtado won a Grammy and she went up on the stage and did her speech. And I can't remember who introduced her, but it was somebody with a very kind of blah, 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 a very American accent. And the difference between the two and the her enunciation, we tend to enunciate a lot more because of, again, how parallel we are to like the RP British but we're Americans just rah, 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 rah. And also we do the that classic like upspeak as well that, you know, Americans don't do. And they sound, I think they sound like when I try and do a general American accent, I go, oh, I'm sounding so rude. But, you know, any like dialect coach is like, no, no, you sound confident. And when you do your, you know, this is my second act actors podcast question mark it's very canadian it's but even with slating right hi my name is robin deverett (laughs) no that is my name that is my name Uh, not a question that is my name oh my gosh okay robin deverett uh tell me your story tell me how you got into this crazy acting career that you now have acting slash hosting 
gosh, Janet, I'm terrified to talk about myself. This is why I talk to other people. Tell me your story. Maybe we can make this about you again. <laughs> nope, not allowed. Okay, I'll try my best uh, to be vulnerable and open. I'm actually, I I feel like you've never watched me being interviewed before, and that's why you wanted me to be a guest, uh, because I'm terrible. I, I am I'm actually, I, I've, um, and I don't say that as self-critical. I say that as I, um, I deflect. So I'll be like, so Janet, tell me your story. Uh, but this is not supposed to be that. Okay. You know what the thing is? And this is why I struggle with the, I love the name second act actors. But for me, the biggest struggle I had is when did I stop being an actor? And I don't know if you've ever felt this way, but I feel like I was just, I've been acting my whole life kind of vibe, right? You know, like as a kid, you do all the musical theater and you do just singing classes and piano and dance and you go, oh my gosh, I'm so talented. I'm obviously going to do this when I grow up. And you get, you know, as as a child actor uh, with my very minimal credits, but still some, and some terrible child actor auditions, but I love them. I very much love them. And I learned that it is hard being a child actor when I reflect on that, but you, um, I don't know. You just never, it never leaves you in this sense of play and acting. And it's always been a part of me. And I, when I went to do my undergrad at Western for kinesiology and I was doing, you know, sports for marks. <laughs> uh, and so I ended up gravitating back towards like learning modern dance for, a course. And then I actually became a group fitness instructor and a personal trainer. And I was teaching Zumba, like a Zumba fitness instructor. And I feel with that, it was always performing, right? So you're, you're on stage and you're on and you're performing, you're ready to go and you're multitasking and you're, you know, you're just always doing, you're always, it's always a show. And even with that too, I was always doing musical theater in the background or training for something. Like I just never, it never fully left me. But as like, you know, I'm okay, what actually pays, right? <laughs> so um, doing, you know, the fitness stuff was great. It kept that going as well. And then just kept adding jobs because why not overwhelm myself? It's very healthy. And so I started working as a kinesiologist. And then at the time that wasn't a licensed, it didn't have its own college. So I wanted to have more power and assess people. So I went to McMaster to do my master's of science in physiotherapy. And I became a licensed physiotherapist. And after that, I was, again, still doing theater, still trying to get on camera auditions on my own and doing all those random short films, finding all this stuff on your own, just complete multitasking while still doing group fitness. And then I threw in like working as a Disney princess performer. And I just kept, I could not stop performing. And even, you know, working as a physio, working on all these different clinics and expanding my knowledge in what did I do as a physio? I worked, I learned about acupuncture, learned about vestibular rehabilitation, learned about uh, soft tissue active release kind of. And I did a ton of pelvic floor education and got very much into it that I pretty much, for the most part, I did a lot of orthopedics, but I there reached a point in my practice where I did so much pelvic floor physiotherapy because there was such a, there was, there's so much unknown about it. And I became super passionate about it. And it was just for me having this knowledge and learning so much about that area down there that no one talks about. I go, okay, first off, why don't we talk about this? That is upsetting, not just as a woman, but just as a person in general, because everyone has a pelvic floor. It's not just, oh, I had a kid, I should worry, or I'm getting old and I'm leaking while I, when I jump, I go, okay, no, this starts at a young age. There's a lot of factors like stress, trauma, digestion, so many things factor into that. And I just got really, really passionate about educating people and treating them. Um, but I don't know if you feel this way. And we might have spoken about this a while ago, where as a healthcare practitioner, it's so hard to not take this on. And it was it was really challenging for me to not it's not even emotionally involved, but to go home and kind of leave your work in the clinic when it comes with a lot of pelvic floor, what happens is I was seeing a lot of cases with trauma, with 
with rape, with um, just really, really upsetting. Um, and again, and even um, even people that were just transitioning, right? And they didn't have anyone to talk to because no one took the time to listen. And then I got really uh, cynical about the <laughs> the healthcare field in general, <laughs> right? And you go, mm, I think there's something wrong with the system. How do we fix this? And you learn you can't really do much, which is also upsetting. And then I started trying to figure out how I could get more information out there. And I tried creating content and whatnot. And it's, it's still, it's still one of those ongoing things of how can we get more information out there? And I see all these people trying to have conversations. Now I saw this thing on Netflix the other day. I thought, okay, cool. We're talking about these hard conversations with the pelvic floor. We're just trying to make it more normalized, which is amazing. Let's reduce the stigma because I find with any, I don't know if you feel this way, but when it comes to issues that people don't physically see, they don't understand it, right? So if it comes to issues with mental health, um, like the pelvic floor, no one sees what's going on. Just there's so much that a person is going through that you might not be aware of. And as a human, I find that fascinating, right? That you you can see someone and you don't you don't know who they you don't know what's going on in their life and like there's just so much that people are going through and i think the pandemic really emphasized how much people struggle on a daily basis right with mental health well i always talk about the pelvic floor think about people just going for a walk and they can't access a washroom because everything's closed like how how many people have been limited um with all these restrictions and i, I clearly i'm still very passionate about the pelvic floor <laughs> tangent but i i i find what frustrates me and i know i really appreciated one of your questions like um where do you feel a difference is between acting and your first act and i think i miss with acting i miss making that impact on an individual and so i'm always trying to figure out how do i create content at least what i'm trying to do now is how do i create content that serves a purpose so I know I do gravitate towards comedy quite a bit, but how can I take that comedy, take my education, take my knowledge and share it to help get that message across? Because I don't want to be that preachy person. No one cares. No one's going to watch a one hour video about your pelvic floor. No one cares. I've watched so many lectures and so many seminars. And how are they getting this knowledge across? And it's too wordy, in my opinion, again, to each their own. I'm like, what is, what can we get across? What can we share? How can we empower each other? Because I find my profession gave me so much knowledge and self-empowerment to a point where I like to diagnose myself and save money on physios. But I, <laughs> I mean, I don't always get it right. And that's when it's super annoying. But when I do, I'm like, yes, don't have to go. <laughs> you know, save money. I love love that. But it, it's just for me, it's so important to to share helpful information because there's so much terrible information online. And that's part of why when I was creating this, uh, they started the whole comedic commentary with Robin. I just do anything with Robin. It's a, it just became an ongoing joke with my husband and myself. And I thought, this is funny. I'm just going to keep doing anything with Robin. And I find it funny at least. <laughs> and what, what I want to try and figure out is how do I, how can I combine comedy with some kind of eye awareness, eye opening awareness of, oh, this is something interesting. I didn't think of this being an issue. I know I try, I'm kind of trying to sneak it in. You know how like parents sneak in the vegetables into the junk food with their kids? I'm trying to sneak in the little bits of knowledge. Like, oh, I didn't know if it's pain with insertion of a tampon. I should see a pelvic floor physio. I'm like, yeah, you should. But uh, I'm not being preachy, not being a physio, just being a comedian. But also, look at that. Uh, I, I completely went on a, a roller coaster of I don't know where I started. <laughs> and I just shared information. Uh, I'm remembering back to one of my earlier episodes with Francesca Decker, Dr. Dr. Francesca Decker. She's a, a doctor slash actor. And she said something very similar to what you just said about how as a healthcare professional, and as I think a lot of professionals in this world, not just healthcare, you have so much knowledge, but nothing that you like exactly what you're saying. It's hard to disseminate that knowledge because nobody will listen to you. As soon as you become an entertainment person, you have an audience already who wants to listen to you. And why not give them 
more than just the entertainment that you're already giving them as an actor. Use some of that knowledge as well. She works in public health. She's like, I was noticing as a public health doctor, nobody was listening to me. As soon as I became an actress, they were like, let's listen. Let's watch. And that's, sure, commentary on like what our world values or whatever. But sure, that's what the world is valuing right now. How do we harness that? Right. And I think what you're doing is incredibly generous for one thing. Right. Like, I think it is, you know, moving the world forward and giving good quality knowledge. I'm laughing because, yes, it's generous, but it's also self-serving. Right. Like, hi, this is my face. Get used to it. You're going to see it everywhere. What do you uh, think I'm doing? I know. I know. It, but. And I think that's part of it too, because I feel, I don't know if you feel this way, but I have so many ideas. I'm like, oh, this information needs to be out now. And then you get all overwhelmed. You're like, okay, let's just take a breath. Let's do one little segment at a time. And I go, but I need to share all this information. Like there's so much information that people don't have. Okay. Okay. But there's another day to do it. And you also like have to focus on your life and self-care, which I always neglect because I'm like, no, 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 it has to go out now. It's super important. Like 11 p.m., that's the best time to post it. Like, get it out. Next project, let's go. Come on, keep moving. You've got at least four lined up. You film four at once, let's go. It's your physio brain, right? It's the, exactly what we were talking about at the very beginning, right? How you are multitasking in your mind. It's, it's, it's hard to turn it off. Like, I don't think you can turn it off, right? Because it's just, it's who you are. But you know, I don't, um, I, I keep saying, I don't know if you know this, I, I always catch, I, I don't know. Okay. Do you watch your podcast back and go, why on earth did I say this phrase so many times? The other day, what word did I say? I said the word adorable like five times. I, I don't ever describe anyone as adorable. And I thought, well, that was interesting. Hmm. That was adorable. Uh, <laughs> not again. It's not, I'm trying really hard now when I watch my stuff to not be critical and to just be, okay, what did I do? not wrong, but why was I stuck in that pattern of wording? And I go, mostly probably because I didn't breathe. I probably was not breathing. And then just thought, mm, yes, let's just repeat words. <laughs> Maybe no one will notice. Can I ask you a question? Oh God, I hope I can answer it well. Okay. Because this, it's changing the subject and I apologize. It's bad, bad host, bad host. No, it's not. You were just listening. I'm like, oh my God, is, am I doing okay? I was so scared. You're such a good listener. <laughs> Thank you. This is kind of self-serving because I want to know the answer because I think you and I are you and I are very I don't think I know. You and I are very similar uh, because of our of our backgrounds like how we got here. So I very similar to you had a very creative upbringing. I was in all the plays. I was in musical theater. I did everything. I never was. I never was. That's okay. Okay, but did you want to be? Or was it just like, that's the thing, right? I never understood people being okay in the course. I never understood that. And again, like if people just want to be around that, I love that. Totally respect it. But I'm like, no, I have to be better. Like I have to be the lead. And if I'm not the lead, I hate myself. (laughs) But then that being said, I had like, you know, I don't know if you, oh my God, again, I don't know if you've ever experienced this. I'm just going to own it for your podcast. Uh, But at some times, and this is such a nice learning experience as a child. If you don't get the lead, how can you make that small little role your own? And how can you stand out with your couple lines? And then you realize you can do that and you go, ooh, I love me some small little roles. But then you learn you can't do that when it comes to on camera because that's not about you. It's literally a one-liner and no one cares. Stop making it about you. (laughs) You have a function as opposed to a character, right? Your function is to deliver the pizza and get out so the story can keep rolling. Yeah. I want to know what happened to the pizza person. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to give myself a backstory. Do you not want to create... Oh my gosh, that would be such a fun idea. If you start off a Hallmark movie, right? And okay, you think it's about these two people and that's what the poster was. And next thing you know, it's about the pizza delivery boy and you follow their whole... I like it. This is magic. It's kind of like, have you seen Free Guy? Yeah. Yeah, right? Like the background characters. I love that. And I auditioned for a two-line role just recently for, like, Housekeeper. And the the lines are like, it will have aired by the time I've said this, I swear. But, you know, here you no, are, no, sir. Fine. I thought I thought you auditioned for Free Guy. I'm like, oh. Oh, no. That would have been amazing. No. But, you know, the lines are, 
the lines are like, here you are, sir. This just arrived for you. Like something very, very functional, right? This is for episodic TV where your job as the two-line actor role is to keep the plot moving. But I was like, I'm going to give myself a name. I'm going to give myself a... Because because we have so few auditions and stuff. I'm sorry, but I'm craving to do this and I'm going to do it. Here's a musical number. Here you are, sir. Okay, I have to get my question in because I really, really want to know because I don't know the answer for myself, but you did the exact same thing as me. You went from creativity in high school to kin. I did that too. I went from high school creative to kinesiology degree, and my parents had this memory of being at my grad ceremony, and they were announcing, you know, what is everyone doing when you cross the stage? And they said, Jan McMorty is going to do a Bachelor of Science in Kinesiology, and some random looked at my parents and were like, what? Like Janet, like the theater musical band geek Janet is doing a Bachelor of Science in Kin. Where did that come from? And I'm like, where did that come from? I have no clue. But I did very similar to you. I did all my sports for marks were dance, 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 dance. Oh, I threw in some tennis and um, I was a former swim instructor. So obviously I'm going to swim and get marks. Uh, you know, let's see how many credits I can get easily. Although honest, they, they actually did a good job with that swim course. Uh, I really, I really wanted to do learn to swim, but it seemed too dishonest. Like, no, if I'm rescuing people from the water that, that I think I know how to swim. But I mean, look, some people did that. It's just kind of when some people did, you know, like, let's learn Hebrew. Um, and they were Israeli, like fluent in Hebrew. And you go, okay. I mean, look, you need the marks, do what you have to do. But yeah. Uh, but I think, I think that's a great question. And I think, I mean, <laughs> the obvious answer for me is I wanted to go into the arts. I, um, it was told no. Uh, so the best profession in my opinion was become a doctor. And so what path should I take to get there? What's the most interesting? I had a friend and I was actually, this friend is now getting married. And I thought, Oh my gosh, she's the reason I went into kin a family friend of ours, and he was doing kinesiology at Western, and they were dissecting cadavers in the second year. And I thought, isn't that fascinating? I would love to do that. It's the only program I knew that did that in second year. And so I went to Western. I had a cousin that was already there, and my parents, um, I've never gone out of town before, but my parents were like, okay, you have an older cousin there. You know someone. Uh, Yeah, go to Western. And I mean, it worked out well. I met my husband there, who's lovely. But I think what it came down to was the arts were not considered a profession, which I totally understand. I'm not going to judge my parents for that because I can, I can see where, so I, I went to, when I was young, I went to um, characters theater troupe. They're still around um, new ownership. Me- Shout out to Megan and Wayne Davis who have amazingly talented children and they're doing really well. But the original owner was Shari Kallenberg and she, um, she actually she was my agent. She's an agent. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. She's, still, mm-hmm. she's amazing. She was mm-hmm. she was just starting her group. And uh, and I spoke to her during the pandemic. I'm like, so I was terrible as a child actor, but thank you for keeping me. Um, I, I genuinely didn't understand the concept of auditioning because I was always like a 30 year old as a child. I'm just like, this isn't logical. I'm not going to yell. I'm not going to get excited for seeing teen boys that aren't there for this commercial. I don't understand that. I don't even like NSYNC. What are you going to do? Uh, I had this attitude. Um, but I think it really was just like, I don't understand and I'm confused. And it came off as very rude. Uh, <laughs> I was never told that. This is, again, self-reflection of, I feel like I came off as arrogant and rude when really I was just a scared child. <laughs> but I, um, I I think that's that's what it came down to, right? It's what what is the profession that I would see myself doing where I could actually make money. And I was always interested in the human body. And so I had never actually been in high school. I would never call myself physically active. I, again, doing a lot of theater, like I love dance, whatever. I never really considered that exercise per se. But when I went into kin and started learning all about the human body and anatomy and all the different, like going to the gym and I go, oh my God, I can like get strong and like feel a little healthier. Whoa, let's do this fitness stuff and get paid to like dance in front of people and teach them fitness. Uh, No, it, it is. But the thing with fitness too that bothered me was 
you would teach it. I was just talking to my husband about this. So funny. Uh, you would teach it and there would be me and then 65 people in the classroom. Right. And me being like, I want everyone to understand and learn. I can't do that when there's 65 people and we're going to the beat of music up for two, down for two and faster. And I'm like, why are you using 20 pound weights for like 50 bicep curls? It's not going to work. That's not endurance. But again, everyone does what works for them. But I just felt like I didn't want people to get injured. So I, I get, maybe that's part of why I went into this. I'm like, how can I fix the people that I might have injured as a group fitness instructor? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I, I just, you know, I go back and I, I, I've been so reflective these past couple of months with like moving and going through all my old stuff. And I go, wow. I, I feel like you never know where your life is going to lead. And I think this has been my whole life. I'm like, what am I doing with my life? I sat back the other day after having that that discussion with the coach saying, you know, just be a human and feel things. And I go, I don't want to. It's hard. It's hard being vulnerable. Can't I just put on like a character and do a weird voice and then just book something? No. It's just, it's just um, yeah. Be like, you, I, I don't know. I, I know that with, life it's it can be so sad that i just don't want to feel things all the time but as an actor it's your job to feel things all the time and not even feel things to yourself but to let others feel and react and mm-hmm. ugh, it's a hard job man ugh. yeah and do you think that was so i've had this conversation with i know this is going to be repeating myself in this podcast all the time whatever what is the idea? Well, the idea of emotional restraint. And in the field that you and I are both in, you can't really show emotion towards your clients or patients, right? You know, you're meant to be positive and uplifting. Same with the performative aspect of fitness instructing, right? Mm-hmm. And you hear, like you were mentioning with some of your, with a lot of your clients, some of these really awful stories and tragedies and you empathize and you sympathize and you just feel so much but in order to be a resilient gritty healthcare practitioner you kind of have to figure out a way to not be so emotionally invested in that because like you were saying you bring it all home with you you can't do that so we're building up these walls to try and not feel the emotions that people around us are feeling in our work but then now we're trying as actors to be like feel the sadness and show the sadness i'm like damn it so it's now become kind of my thing to figure out how to do this how do i compartmentalize medical world of emotional restraint acting world of emotional like trying to be free with it yeah and it's funny i was being coached by alona Smythe yesterday i love alona she is just ugh, and she's she tells it as it is she is right she tells (laughs) it as it is and she was like she's like you need to stop making this your narrative like you this has become a thing that you've now told yourself that you can't be emotionally vulnerable because you're a doctor She's like, you can't. She's like, what you need to do is you just need, you know, and I've been told this by lots of other teachers and I've been, you know, like asking, okay, so what do I do? And the answer is always like, you got to be, I'm like, it can't be, the answer can't be therapy. I've been in therapy since I was like eight. But Alona, great advice, says what you got to do is you got to take some time in your week, sit down in front of your mirror and cry and see what you look like when you cry. Because we're taught so much to be like, oh, God, I'm going to cry. Stop, 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 stop. She's like, you need to spend time with yourself saying, oh, God, I'm going to cry. Excellent. But you know what, though, with the crying is what's more compelling to me. Because I would get a script and it would say cry. For what, And I go, okay, well, I'm not going to book it. I can't cry. But the more, the more acting coaches I go to, and it's always my question, how do I cry? I can't cry. I'm not a crier. And that's not fair. You can't put that on me. And then again, really, this whole rant, how dare they ask me to cry? And then you take a step back and you go, okay, what is the emotional stake for you for this character? It doesn't have to be physical. Like you don't have to be tearful, but I actually think what's more compelling when I watch people on TV is them holding back the tears. Mm. And how do I get to that point where I feel so emotionally involved as this character that I, like, I'm just, I'm fully invested, fully there. And again, not for me, probably not going to be tears streaming down my face. 
mm-hmm. um, because that only happens once every couple months. And I go, what are this liquid coming out of my eyes? <laughs> I don't under, uh, am I dying? Uh, no, th- those are tears, Robin. Uh, you should cry more often. Uh, but I, I do, I do understand what you're saying with being, you have to be, I remember this is a shout out to monologue slam, Andre Newell. And they were always saying, be ready, be prepared. Like just, so if I get an audition tomorrow where it's, you know, and they're filming the next day, right? Like, okay, do this cry. Well, I have to know that I could do that. Right. I have to be confident enough to know that, yes, I've been doing my, my mirror crying and I am good to go, but it's, it's so hard because I think for the longest time, I don't, I don't want to cry. I don't want to feel things and you have to, and it sucks. (laughs) And that's part of why I'm like, can't I just do comedy? And then you see the comedian, I'm like, well, what is this comic crying? What's happening? Everyone's feeling things. Stop crying, people. Is that why you've gravitated towards comedy or are there other things that you've realized this is kind of my jam? I think I've always been really sarcastic yeah. growing. I, well, I would watch my parents are really into home movies and I would see little seven-year-old Robin just making a little sarcastic remark. I would get in trouble at school for, uh, for saying some, like not even say, just like probably being a smart ass. If I can say the word ass, I've said it twice. So let's find out. Uh, but you know, those kind of things where if life as a child, when life didn't make sense to me, I would comment on it. Mm. I'm like, well, this is confusing. I don't understand. Why do we have to do this? And, and (laughs) this doesn't make sense. It's silly. I should be in charge. I'm like, "Mm, okay, you're seven. Uh, But maybe it's because I'm an older child as well. I don't know. I'm the oldest. Um, Eldest? I'm your elder. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to call my siblings up. As your elder, here's advice. When you were growing up and you were super creative, Mm. um, and then like mom and dad not to put blame on them, but they, but someone had said, or you got in, got in your mind, no, I can't do the creative jobs, right? I can't, the performer, the arts, it's not a viable career path. How did you transition into what you're doing now? I, and you know what? I will, I will clarify because I hate when it turns into a whole thing of like, oh, it's my parents' fault. It's not because we're, I know, like, thank you for the therapy session. Uh, but actually what, Part, part of it, my family is super creative. We would submit to film festivals and things like that. And my extended family, we would do family lip syncs. We were always performing. And I found when I was a kid, when I was a kid, I would insist on singing when it came to presentations. So it could be like the most basic presentation. Uh, what's an example? Like you just have to do a, a monologue in... Oh, like careers, careers. You would have to, let's say I was a stunt person. Like, well, this stunt person likes to sing about their job. Here we go. And I would just sing, even for student council elections. I'm like, it's going to be a song, not a speech. I was always performing and on. And I just, I, I don't think it fully left me in high school. I don't know if I did as much theater as I wanted to, because I was always so focused on, okay, what is the end goal what courses do I have to take? How do I get that super high average to get into the good university? And I think that's when I started becoming a little more serious, not getting as creative, again, still doing some things. So I think probably from high school to university, the beginning of that, I didn't have as much of an outlet on it as I would have liked. And again, you need to go to university, you find the theater, you find um, open mic nights, you do fun karaoke when I moved downtown to Toronto after McMaster Hamilton whatever and I found this amazing open mic night with talented people I'm like oh my god I love watching people that can sing and then I get to be considered part of this this is great but then you get scared and you go well am I good enough to be here what's happening I don't know and then you just kind of go no I'm gonna do it I'm gonna gonna yes and everything I, I don't think I'm ever fully answering your questions, Janet. I literally, I, I think I'm talking to myself and there's just like a really supportive person here. I'm, I struggle. This is why, this is why like I just host and I let people talk because oh, it's such a, it's a monologue, huh? Tell me about your experience with comedy. We kind of talked about a little bit about it, but you've done a lot of training at Second City and you're talking about open mic nights and stuff like that. 
Comedy is a beast. Comedy is a beast. You're, tell me about it. It's the hardest thing on the planet. Honestly, comedy, I've spoken to so many people about comedy. I think everyone is funny. And I will always say that. And whether or not they're aware they're funny or they're just giving me, you know, material for my comedy, doesn't matter to me. But I, I think everyone has it in them, whether they have a mannerism that's funny that they don't know about or or they just have this like interesting walk or not again, not making fun of them mocking funny. I just think people in general are interesting. And that interesting component kind of brings out the comedy. And with comedy, at least what I found is you just have to just don't care what people think. And if you just be if you're willing to be super ridiculous, then Sure, maybe people find it funny. A lot of people won't. It won't resonate with a lot of people. That's what I find. I and this is what this is why it's taking me so long to create and put things out there. And there are just lulls of time where I do nothing because I just sit on the material and I go, oh, I can't post it. I'm gonna get canceled. People are gonna hate it. And then I go, okay, first off, Robin, we do not have a large following. Okay, don't like you're just building yourself up. Okay, no one's going to even watch this. So just post it. It makes me laugh. If it makes me laugh, I'll share it now. So I'm like, oh, this is so funny. Look at me. Share. Um, <laughs> and then my husband does the, you know, necessary heart mm-hmm. or chuckle. I go, thank you. Marriage intact. And whoever else it resonates with, that's lovely. But I think the, I, I think I really resonate with Seinfeld, where it's just generic, like, life is so weird and funny. And I was watching so many interviews about like comedians in their life or, or biographies or, and interviews. And when I, I resonate so much with them because when something bad happens, I always think, okay, well, here's the comedy. And I just can't turn it off. I'm like, okay, well, this is what's funny about this atrocious thing that's happening in the world. I'm like, oh, that is funny. And then it's just how I think it's a coping mechanism. I've spoken to other because it just I think it's easier to me than uh, crying in front of a mirror. (laughs) (laughs) It's gallows humor. And I think, you know, it's if we don't laugh, we cry about it, right? And I, I resonate with that, too. I think, you know, in medicine, one of the best things I ever did for myself in medicine was start working I was having, I had a solo practice and then I started working like within the hospital with other healthcare prof- professionals. And that was the best thing for me because all we did was dark humor all day, every day. Cause there's like you're saying atrocities of this world and you know, nobody likes to have healthcare professionals at a dinner party cause they're all just laughing about the ridiculous things that happen, which if a normal regular human being listens, they're like, Ugh! Like, no, no, we need to laugh about this sort of thing. Otherwise, you can't cope. That's a really good point. And that could be part of it, excuse me, too, because, again, seeing all these, it's it's more than inequality and it's more than lack of education. There's so much wrong with the healthcare system. Again, the fact that it's essentially free for the most part is great, but there's so much missing. And I don't even, I don't know how you've, fix a system. Uh, Let's decide now. (laughs) And that is, I think, coming up on an episode, I'm talking to like a burnout specialist. Um, But I think that is an underlying reason why every second act actor has gone into something else. It's not just healthcare. I've talked to teachers. I've talked to lawyers. I've talked to engineers. Is that they went into this job, went into their first career really excited, excited about a lot of parts of their job. We all did. And then you get in there and there's something called the system (laughs) that is completely fighting against you. And you go, well, crap. And it makes you very cynical, like you were saying. And I'm cynical. That's why I was worried. Okay. I thought it's going to come across as super No, I've seen it in every single person I've chatted with. And every single person I work with, when you're like, these are genuine people who want to do a good job in the career that they've trained for and they're passionate about, but it's usually around about the five-year mark when you start to get cynical and realize that you're fighting this massive, massive wall and there's nothing you can do about it because you're just this little teeny little pawn and it's really, really hard. And I think especially for 
creatives like ourselves who tend to be very the empaths, right? Like you bring in all of the emotions. That's something that is really, really difficult when you see your patient struggle, your students struggle, your, you know, customers struggle because, and there's nothing you can do about it. It's really hard. It's really hard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's hard too. And I try as much as I try and make sure that someone understands these are the steps you need to do to help you get better. And I'll video the exercises and I'll say like, here where you can find X, Y, and Z, lay it out. Here's the plan. I know they're not the majority. Look, the ones that do it, they get better. Love it. Gold star. But the ones that don't, I also understand why they're not doing it because I'm a terrible patient. You know, I'm just, yes, there are so many exercises that I should be doing. I'm like, "Mm, I don't know, maybe that hamstring will always be weak. Who cares? (laughs) Uh, Well, I mean, I do, but not enough to commit to my rehab. So it's just, it's a lot, right? And it's so, it's not like, okay, you wake up just to be a human in every Mm -hmm. day without any health issues is exhausting. There is so much going on that you have to do. And then you add any other, um, I guess, codependence is the word I'll use. And, and it's just even more. And then, you know, stuff happens in life and you go, oh, my gosh, I don't want to deal. Life is hard. And it's, um, oh, this is a downer. Huh? This is why I do comedy. Miss, Miss Dr. Janet here. Miss Dr. <laughs> Dr. Janet, uh, I can't even remember when you reached out to me, but it was definitely recent enough that I am, you're just like, Robin, I'm going to start a podcast. This is my idea. Okay, let's just discuss. Next thing I know, you got a poster. You got the whole platform. You got your guests lined up. You got everything. You got your own little Calendly, little organized to book your guests. You got that follow-up email with the link. You've got this huge following on YouTube. And your Instagram following is growing at like a thousand downloads in, I think, under two months or something. And I'm just sitting back in awe going, I will learn from you because I, I just, I love when I talk to other artists and we, okay, I want to do this. How you have any suggestions? Of course, your suggestion and you take it and you make it your own and you just, you, you go with it. And I, I'm so, you share the little clips. I know how long it takes and you're going to edit these podcasts. My goodness, that is exhausting. People do not understand. <laughs> like it is so, so time consuming. And the fact that you've taken it, you've you've made it so successful in such a short amount of time. Just like I, I remember, I remember discussing, and I'm so proud of you. You deserve a shout out as well too. And I, I didn't want to like tangentially like go off about how much I appreciate you because I would get like all emotional. But you've been so supportive of me and of this, of me, not just the podcast, but, you know, when I was trying to find a new agent, when you all, like, you took so much time out of your day just to be like, I'm calling you and we're going to talk through this and we're going to, you know, and cheerlead me through this. And same with, you know, when, when I reached out about starting this podcast, you're like, get on the phone, let's chat. And I think, I just appreciate the hell out of you. I think you're... You're the best. Okay, I, I love that you brought up the phone. I'm a phone talker. I I can't stand this text. Uh, no, let's I talk love on it. the phone. Mm-hmm. I, but but you know what, Janet? Though I'm willing to talk to any actor because I know people that help me as well. And I just think it's so important that actors keep having conversations with each other because it's so easy to feel alone in this industry. It's so easy to feel like you're in competition, and and then you go, okay, well, no. Even if we were going out for the same role. I'm different than you, right? So even if we deliver it at the exact same way, it would still be completely different. So I think it's just so important to support each other. And that's that's one of the biggest surprises I found with this community is how supportive it is. Because for such a competitive industry, I just, I know so many people have my back. And I know that I have so many people's back. And when I see people creating projects and putting themselves out there, I know how vulnerable I feel. And I, I see the work that other people are doing and continue to do because I remember saying, Janet, there might be a point where you go, I'm done with this. No, thank you. And you want to walk away. And I will not judge you because that happened so many times with me that you just you just keep pushing and you 
because because we love to create and we love to connect. I love the reason I love the podcast is I love talking and learning about people. You learn little gems and you go, huh, didn't know that. That's interesting. Little little fun fact about that person. And you, I just like telling stories, right? And and hearing stories and it just it makes you connect so much more with someone and you see there's so much you don't see right and you were talking before about social media with here's my perfect life and that's part of why at one point i think i took down all my pictures from social media i go i hate this this is disgusting and then i was told by a casting director that i look like a robot and i have to put pictures back so i selectively did i'm like that's fine okay i get it okay whatever okay it was just not it wasn't a toronto cast it was a casting director i work with on clubhouse um (laughs) And she's just like, no, people will think you're a robot. I go, okay, that's fine. Here's some, here's a couple, uh, whatever. But it's it's just so hard when you see people that are posting booked it and success story and I'm awesome and look how strong I am and look how fit I am and here's what I eat in a day. And I go, oh my God, I can't. First off, I hate that. That's a sidebar. Uh, and then I won't watch it. I don't know why I care what you eat in a day. That's going to be my next one. Why do I care what they eat in a day? fascinating to me. But I I think it's really, really important that we know that just because something's online, it doesn't necessarily, you don't, you don't know if it's true. (laughs) I like to test that sometimes. Uh, But also you don't know the struggle, like how someone books something, you don't know how hard they've been working on that, how much effort they put in the the amount of coaching, the amount of practice, the amount of the amount of training, the amount of just dedication to your craft and the dedicate, I find that that daily practice is so hard to commit to when I was doing a workshop or not, I guess it was workshop class. I don't know. It was this two week class in LA and it was on zoom and it was for comedy and we had to practice three hours every day. And it was for me so funny because I love that stuff. And I'm like, Oh, I have finally have people to practice with every day, but you grow so much more as a performer when you work daily on it. And it's just, again, so hard to commit to because life, but when you're intentionally practicing and that's all you're doing, right? You're going, I'm doing the scene today. I'm going to break it down bit by bit. And first off you appreciate the writers that much more. You go, Oh, this was well-written. I understand. I see the comedy now. Well done, sir, ma'am other person. Um, I don't know how to address. I'm, I'm really bad with pronouns. Apologies to anyone watching this. Uh, but I, I think it's so, so necessary for people to realize that social media is as much as it is an amazing, pl- like again, amazing platform with, I know you were in a bunch of my clubhouse rooms and we're connecting with people from all over the world and we're hearing so many different stories and, you know, Instagram again, like we can, I do my podcast on Instagram. It's really fun to be interactive and even YouTube, I see videos and I go, Oh, look, I can teach myself how to um, do work around my house. Yeah, let's fix this. So there, there is amazing resources on social media, but there's so much fakeness out there and there's so many ways for you to feel like you're not enough. And I hate that because I've definitely watched that go, oh, I'm, there's so much more I can be doing. And I don't know if I'll ever stop feeling that way. Even as I'm creating, I'm like, I can do more. I can keep doing more. People are doing more. They're getting ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm behind. What am I? And it's like, okay, let's just take a breath and focus on yourself because not even like not focusing on yourself completely selfish way, but actually like taking time to step away and breathe and know that life isn't an emergency and it's not a race. That's the worst thing for me is remembering it's not a race. You know, you go, well, I didn't book this role. Like, why am I not the lead? Okay, well, did you even book a one-liner? No, I haven't, but I should be the lead. Um, okay. okay, Robin, this isn't, um, this isn't you know, grade three uh, school. So let's just, let's just baby steps. It's, but it's, it's, you know what, it's hard because you love it. Like, I personally love it so much. Like, I just want the biggest role possible because I just want to keep performing and I just want to always be on camera. Uh, but my God, can we give credit to people behind the scenes? Like you, you're doing behind the scenes, actually. you're editing, you're producing. It is exhausting. Yep. And if you, I, 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 again, I really enjoy writing randomness and it is hard. I'm working with a friend of mine from Second City and we're trying to write we keep trying to write. He's such a sweetheart. And every time we try to write, I just hate writing scripts. 
I'll have the ideas. And he goes, it's okay. I like writing the script. I go, okay, amazing. So I just, cause you have to write, you know, the actions, the descriptor. I don't know. I see it in my head. Why is it not on the page? I don't understand. (laughs) Oh, someone else has to read it. What I'm not doing every single part. Okay, fine. All right. (laughs) It's just, it's really, there's so much that goes into creating a production or creating anything. Right. Um, and I just, I feel as though the people behind the scenes are so undervalued and I, I really, I would say, I feel as much as actors are working hard and like we are, I know how hard we're working, but it just, we just got to give a lot of credit to the people behind the scenes because they set up those shots. Like how long do they spend setting up the shots? How they're the first people on set. They're getting the lighting, they're getting all this stuff ready, figuring out even stand-ins, right? Getting the position. Okay. Talent comes in again. It is very hard to get one or two takes, whatever. That's very challenging, right? Just blocking out the world, being in the scene, being in the moment, very hard. But then <laughs> there's taking it down, moving to the next location, getting the shot. Oh, look, it's Toronto, terrible weather. I guess we're changing locations today. So there's just, there's so much that goes on and it's so I used to feel like actors were the main part of the production and we're so important. We are right. I mean, we're the face, (laughs) but there's so much behind the scenes and there's just, I I remember talking to casting directors and I do think they should get an Oscar, right? I do think casting is a talent in and of itself. When I was talking to one of the casting directors in Toronto and she, she was saying she, she knows exactly who would be this role. And people were saying, no, 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 I don't know. I don't want to see them, whatever. And then, okay, fine. They're just going to tape. Gives them the tape. Yeah, actually, you know what? They're great for the role. Yes, because they know what they're doing. They've heard your vision. <laughs> this is, they know you're paying them for a reason, okay? Like, just so, I just, I love learning about this. Again, the more you learn, the more you appreciate and the more you realize you don't know. <laughs> This is what I wish I would keep telling myself is just don't cut yourself short, mm-hmm. right? Don't say, don't reject yourself. And I've heard that a couple of times where it's, you're getting an audition for a reason, right? And, and I say that and I definitely read an audition. I go, this is not me. Well, they gave you the audition. So maybe it could be you acting. <laughs> so just but even with that, go, well, no, I can't do this because Obviously, they're going to, so I'm still non-union, right? So I'll be like, obviously, they're going to go with someone in the union, and it's just like not worth my time, and then I'm going to get invested, I'm going to pay for coaching, but what's the point? Well, the point is, you're auditioning for casting. You're not necessarily auditioning for the role, you're auditioning for the casting director, or the production neighbor, whoever sees it. You're just, just do a good audition, and don't say no. And it's, and don't get in your head, Um, I'm going to watch this back and be like, Robin, see, you're telling people not to get in your head. Okay, just like literally self-love people, okay? Everyone is awesome. Everyone brings their selves to the tape and just try and remember that and don't don't be like me and get all, hey, it's a musical every time you do an audition because <laughs> no one wants to see that unless it's a musical, but even then probably would still be too much. So just, just like try and be yourself and whatever that is because there's only one you. I love that. I've mm-hmm. heard that somewhere. I can't give people credit because I've heard all this advice so much. <laughs> I don't know where I heard it from. But I, I think just do, it's hard to say do what makes you happy because this industry so many times <laughs> doesn't make you happy. But when I, when I act or when I create, I feel like there's so, there's a part of me that's just so happy. And that's why I love listening or watching other people's podcasts and and learning. And you go, oh my gosh, people are going through so much. And it's kind of their choice for like, as a healthcare professional, when I'm going through things, I don't think it's anyone's business. Mm -hmm. Um, So to know Mm -hmm. that people are are going through other things, I guess, obviously not just healthcare, but that's all I think about, right? Like, as you know, you go in, okay, my day is out there and I'm here for the patient. But even, you know, as a casting director, as an actor, it has to be that way too, right? Okay, so my day, there's a lot going on in my life. No one else's business. I'm here to do a job. And that is, when, when I hear 
not just with Jules, but with other people, what they had going on in their life when they were filming something or I go, that's, that's other level of being mm -hmm. able to compartmentalize. And that, that's why they have the Oscars now. And that's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's such a life skill though, right? To not let one thing affect the rest of your day or your life or other people. Mm -hmm. And that's just, I wish we would learn this stuff in school. Yeah. You know, I wish we would just have practice when we were kids of, okay, you're upset about something that happened on the playground. Okay. So let's just kind of leave it on the playground and we move on and we don't let that affect your day or your learning or when you go home or the other kids in your play circle or something uh play circles those were fun <laughs> can't imagine going back to school now right where you nice i don't know how it works you share an apple juice i can't okay but it's true was... though, right like yeah. it, it, it goes back to what we were talking about before right the compartmentalizing thing i think it can be good and bad right like you can compartmentalize so much that you don't actually like resolve the compartment and then that just is is awful for like long-termness if you're just holding a grudge but i agree i think that's a that's a resiliency thing that i think a lot of people i know myself included never really learned growing up and i know i struggle with now and it's just something that you know now that i'm older it's hard to teach an old dog new things and you just try try the best you can resilience yeah it's hard yeah but i i love your i love your vibe i love your positivity i love what you're putting out there because i think i think conversations are really important to have where mm -hmm. i i think and again as much as much as i hate sharing my life i was taught it's nobody's business just do the work uh just like show up but there's people who want to know about your life robin I don't like sharing janet uh <laughs> No, but I actually, I think it's important for people to know that even if, like, I think everyone is struggling. I know I've struggled so much. Like, there's the self-doubt. There's, like, the, the days where you, days, weeks, months, where you shut out the world because you have other stuff going on and life. And I, I just, I hope people know that they're not alone. And I, I always respect people that make themselves available. I don't, I personally, I'm always available. I just mm -hmm. don't know how to send that mess oh gosh is this good message going to come out and then i'm going to get messages back which is fine i just <laughs> i'm not like a license to help with everything just physio uh <laughs> and i sh you know and acting chats i love those but i i think the more we we continue to grow this community and this support system the more people will just feel feel good feel you know feel less alone because I think that's important and, and just like less in their head of like, I'm doing the wrong thing and just, I, I don't know. I just want, I want everyone to be happy, which is funny. Cause I'm, <laughs> I don't know the last time I've been like truly a hundred percent happy at peace with myself mm -hmm. because it's hard yep. because uh, I can't quiet that voice of telling me I'm not good enough. <laughs> Being like, never. Actually, I love that we had to start this late, this podcast, because I was not happy with my hair uh, <laughs> and I straightened it a ton more and added a little more cover up because I'm getting older. And I thought, well, let's just pretend I'm not. <laughs> What's my playing age? Uh, but I, yeah, it's, if, if this helps anyone, cool. I never think anyone wants to hear what's going on. And that's, that's, I'm doing what my guests do, right? Mm -hmm. Where my mm -hmm. guests say, no one cares about my life. I'm like, you are fascinating. You're yep. a human being and you are fascinating. Yep. And people want to know, oh my gosh. You and I, we see it like all the time. I, the amount of people who I've emailed and I've said, I would love to have you on my podcast. And they're like, but I'm not anything to anyone or anything. I have no story. I have nothing to say. I'm not an actor. I'm do this. I'm like, I've had two lines in a Christmas movie and that's it. Who am I to have a podcast about acting? Shut your face. You have a great story. Get on my damn podcast. And then they do. And their stories, just like yours, Robin, are incredible. <laughs> and people want to hear them oh and God. they should hear them because you're going to oh help people. I always think there are rules with a self tape. Like it has to be X, Y, and Z. And I think mm -hmm. the more rules I place on the self tape, the <laughs> the worse it is, right? 
Like, yeah. and the more, the more I'm focused on some, okay, it's okay. What would a human do in this scenario? And again, hopefully not smoking, but in, in general, it's, it's just, and I know so many actors that are booking now, they say, okay, literally give it three takes. And the problem I have, I'll do that. But I'm like, but it could be better. I'm missing this. What about that? And then I like, it can always be better. Yeah. And I'm like, well, what about this? What about this beat? This beat makes sense. Let's keep, t-. I'm like, and you'll only get one or two takes. And yes, even though I try and limit myself to three takes, I'm like, oh, but what about this? And then I, uh, you get in that spiral of, yep. and I know if you were going to the room, you would get the one take, maybe two, and then leave. Uh, okay, cool. But I, maybe it's the part of me and I'm like, but it, this could be better. And maybe there's a little comedy here. And, and then yeah. again, it's, okay, it's not your character's show unless you're the lead. And even then, it's like you have to, give it more like work with your scene partner unless it's literally just an episodic monologue yeah. which is probably what this podcast is um, <laughs> robin i'm here for it being supportive. Um, i'm here for it but the auditions the self-tape that whole, it's like how many courses have i like i look at my oh. resume and go how many different people can i train with to yeah. keep doing the same and that's why i got upset at myself i'm like I know this. I know this. Everything you're saying, I know. I've heard it. I've worked with you before. Yep. Like, it's, I, I hear it. I'm telling it to myself when I try and do even a voiceover recording. Why is it not coming out the way I can? Yeah. It's, it's so frustrating. It's and that's so part of why it's like a community, a venting. And mm-hmm. everyone mm-hmm. feels you. Yeah. Because I think everyone can get there. Yeah. It's just a matter of. I don't, I don't even like getting, everyone says, get out of your own way. I'm like, I don't, there's something else got like, is it really just me in my own way? If so, that sucks. Could have saved a lot of money on training. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of, a um, lot of dough. Well, the but. problem is, is that we are so in our own way, but we're like, okay, what is it? What is the secret? What is it? So we just keep taking class upon class upon class with somebody else being like, maybe they're the guru I need to now follow. And then I, Maybe, yeah, you realize, yeah, okay, which, which you, I learned different things from different people yeah, and every class I've taken is wonderful, right? Like it's not, nothing I've taken has been not helpful or a scam because I'm a smart person. I know I'm not going to go for, like. Oh, I've fallen for so many. I love that uh, you Okay. I don't think I have. I'm trying to, maybe I have, I don't know, but I'm trying to find things. That, no, I think those were legit. Yeah. I think most, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think if I've fallen for any scams. Uh, I'm sure it's coming down my future. I think all actors do at some point because we are kind of vulnerable human beings who like to follow gurus. But, like, there are some gurus out there who I will follow, Lewis, you know, until forever, you know, because they've been so positively influential on not just me as an actor, but me as, like, a human being. But, yeah. Well, you, but you know what, though? And, and there's so many studios for a reason. Like, again, not so, so many but enough that it's like if one studio doesn't work, yeah. that doesn't mean you're a bad actor. And I know before I had gone to LB, there was this terrible workshop I did. Um, and it was just pretty much like he's saying, we don't need brunettes in this business. What are you doing? Kind of vibe. I'm like, oh, that's Great. unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, whatever. But it's it doesn't mean you're a bad actor if, if you have a ex- bad experience with one place. Mm. And I think that's super important to know because people what they say can really I, I i wish that people understood that what they say can affect someone so greatly hmm. that, and that and that's why i struggle too right that's why i struggle putting up comedy or even like as a physio i'm trying to be super careful with my words um because you never know what's going to resonate with someone even if an acting coach or, or someone even, even on set, right? They have those those throwaway comments and it stick. You don't even think someone will hear it and they, it sticks with you. Mm-hmm. And it's always that comment that you play in the back of your mind. And you go, oh, but this version at this time, oh, I remember that. And it's, oh, it's the worst. Yeah. And yes, technically, you shouldn't let people's words affect you. But I think when you're in such a vulnerable state, sometimes it's hard not to. Oh, and that's uh, human nature, right? Ooh. Like yeah. for every 10, like what do they say? Like one horrible patient or one horrible word or one horrible thing said to you will ruin the 10 beautiful patients you had before who think you're great or beautiful words that were said to you. They can just, it all it takes is one negative comment to destruct. Janet, I, I love talking with you. I love talking with you too. 
I could very much keep talking to you. Oh, this was so challenging for me, but thank you for, you know what? Thank you for pushing me outside my comfort zone. That's another word of advice, guys. Do things that you are not comfortable with because that's where you grow the most. <laughs> that's, oh, this was, this was scary for me. I was scared. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And thank you, Robin, for being my guest this week. Thank you for being so supportive of me, this podcast, and, you know, just everyone around you. You are a ray of freaking sunshine, and you are hilarious. Everyone needs a Robin in their life. I hope you'll tune in next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Ooh, and before I say bye, make sure you check out Robin's Window Chats with Robin show, as well as her other show, Let's Get Fingered. Definitely find it online, and uh, you'll get to see all the incredible things that Robin is doing. I hope you'll tune in next week for another episode. Bye! Second Act Actors is produced and edited by me, Janet McMorty. Theme music by Guillaume. Additional sound editing by David Studio. Additional video editing by Jackie Wadewer. Show notes written by Sarah Hopkinson. I record using Riverside FM. If you're interested in developing an interview-based webcast like mine, I highly recommend this platform. Shoot me an email and I'll direct you to the wonderful folks there. If you or someone you know is interested in being a guest, email me at secondactactors at gmail.com. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. My love language is words of affirmation, so compliments, constructive criticism, and feedback are always welcome and encouraged. Negative Nancys, Judgy McJudgersons, or Debbie Downers, unless you're Rachel Dratch, regarding me or my guests are not welcome. It takes serious courage to share your story with the world, so if you're tempted to negatively comment about someone else's story, please ask your therapist why you're such a garbage person. Save the drama for the stage. On that happy note, I hope you'll tune in next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Bye!